Inappropriate Earl is back. We're not even doing Facebook Live. I'm so excited to have this man on my couch that I didn't want to be distracted by Facebook Live. So you're going to have to listen to this all on iTunes. I've done a lot of comedy episodes, a lot of roast battle episodes, a lot of I'm dying up here episodes, a lot of jellies episodes. Today, I thought, well, it's 100 degrees out. What better to talk about than NHL hockey in the middle of July? And I have the premier hockey reporter. I don't know if I want to say reporter, blogger, uh, hockey correspondent. There you go. Hockey correspondent. Um, great Jonathan Davis from West Coast Hockey on Twitter. Dennis Bernstein, he's right there, but he's not on my couch right now. He's probably drowning himself in Red Bull as we speak. Jonathan, pick up that mic. That's no, all good. All right. Thank you. I mean, I... I'm so excited to have you on. It's great. I'm I'm happy to be here. And you know, you gave me the tour of the, your Jersey room, and oh my god, like that that is absolutely incredible. I've you know I've got maybe five or six at home, couple you know a bunch of ones that are framed. You've got a wardrobe. Well, it's um, like I told you, it, it was to help me deal with my stage fright. When I started comedy, I had to go to therapy. Because all my friends who were agents and managers of, of the highest level, you know, they were like the Pat Brissons of, you know, ICM, William Morris. They're like, dude, get into comedy. You're the funniest person we know. Just start off at open mics for a few weeks and we'll help you. Of course, they all left the business when I got into comedies. <laughs> Bastards. Fuck, I mean, I don't want to swear because I know you've got sponsors I, and stuff. I know, respect to you effing bastards. <laughs> um, but I had this tremendous stage fright, even though I knew I was funny. So I thought, what could I wear that would like protect me from the juju, <laughs> the bad juju? And I was a huge hockey fan, uh, and I always gravitated toward the fighters. What if I started buying their game-worn jerseys that they fought in, and it would be like a shield to my nerves? And so I would just start buying jerseys. I, you know, there's a few companies, if you're watching uh, the Leafs against uh, the Rangers and you see Ken Baumgartner fight Rudy Poshek, you could order those jerseys. You could say, I want the jerseys that they just fought in. So they, I would get these jerseys, I would put them on, and I wouldn't have any stage fright. I got a great bomber story for you. Please, and by full disclosure, I am friends with the bomber and yeah. his wife, Aaron. Yeah. So, God, I don't, I'm, I'm going to date myself, but back when I was living in Toronto and he was playing for the Maple Leafs, um, the the Toronto version way back when of the um, uh, whatever their their private area was called the Hot Stove Lounge. And so we're in the hot stove lounge and Baumgartner's uh, Aaron is in there and someone all of a sudden Ken's on the ice. And of course he's fighting. And so someone had, was standing up in front of the TV blocking Aaron's view. And she said, my husband plays just three minutes a night. Get the frick out of the way of the TV. So that's it. That's well, <laughs> Aaron, I went to watch a few of Ken's Ducks games. And now he's, I mean, God, he's gone the other way and he's uh, totally successful. Uh, he's a lawyer, right? He's like the, well, he was like number one in his class, I think, at Harvard. Yeah. Uh, like he was always very smart. Like he got out of the game at the right time because he's a pretty big guy. You know, maybe 
probably a cross between our size, yeah. you know, six one. But nowadays, that's it. Amazes me with fighters because you know you and you you know Baumgartner, smart, George Peros, Ken Ken Westgar or Kevin Westgar, right. both Princeton grads, and uh, a great story there. The two of them they had to drop the gloves uh, against each other because Peros decked Voinov in a preseason game. And right, Kevin had to. He just, he had to. Got to do it. Got to do it. But they just kind of wrestled. They just, he had to do it for show. And when they got to the penalty box, their coach from Princeton was at the game and it was in town and they were discussing where they were going to go for dinner, like the following night. That's what their conversation was. Not, I'm going to get you out on the ice. Where are we going for dinner uh, with our coach? Well, I find most fighters uh, are friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, there's a few who probably aren't like I could... Say, uh, you know, Matt Cook probably wasn't friendly. He wasn't really a fighter, but like, uh, you, you know, I think most people wanted to fight him. Yes. Yeah. Brad Marchand now is the new Matt Cook. Uh, but yeah, I feel guilty sometimes for how much I like hockey fighters. Because yeah, but they are. I mean, you know, look, and, and George, you know, look, we're uh, a plug here for George. Please. You know, George's company, Violent Gentleman. You know, it, it's that's. And that was named after, you know, that's what fighters are. They are violent gentlemen. And George is, you know, was one of those guys. And most of these guys, hey, look, we all, we both, we were talking about Marty McSorley before. I mean, this is a guy that, hey, a gentle giant off the ice. Just don't cross him on the ice. Oh, yeah. He, he was, uh, you know, and I think he gets unfairly um, remembered for the, the Brashear incident. Uh, the stick incident. Yeah, which was horrible. Yeah. Uh, there's no, uh, there's really no way to kind of stick up for him on that one uh but you know you talk about the code between fighters and that was brashear breaking the code because you know he beat marty in the first fight and he kind of gloated did the hand gesture the, the uh wiping the hands over marty's <laughs> crumpled body and he i think he skated by the boston bench and i'm sure he said stuff that you know is not the best in print and uh, you're not really supposed to do that. But then Marty probably, and you know, there's that unwritten rule that Brashear owed Marty a rematch. Absolutely. Now this was back when fighting was still kind of uh, an element of strategy. Uh, now it's it, it's not, and I'm almost kind of glad it's not because you know, I, and maybe this is a good lead into Kings hockey. I, you know, I don't want to see uh, Clifford fight anymore. No. I really, and I love the guy. He, uh, you know, got us a cup uh, with that assist. But uh, he shouldn't lead with his face. <laughs> no. No, he should not be leading with his face. And he's, you know, a, a lot of respect for what he does out there for a guy his size. But, yeah, I, I, it, it'll be a short career. And uh, it'll definitely take years off his life. There's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to see Daniel Carcillo's uh, videos on uh, Twitter and uh, I guess YouTube. Uh, have you? I have not. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't. I mean, it just breaks your heart. Like he's he's clearly reaching out because he, you know, Steve Montador was one of his best friends, and you know he's known a lot of these players like Belak and uh, Bugard, who you know he was friends with, and you know, like I kind of know how he feels because i probably lose two comics a year 
that yeah. I'm friends with. And, yeah. uh, you know, you could just see he's he's hurting. But he doesn't get the sympathy because he was somewhat of a, I don't want to say he was a dirty player, but he crossed the line. So I don't know if he's going to get sympathy from people who are like, well, what about that time you hit, you know, player X? I know that when he, when he was here in L.A., he had a great relationship. He was living at Jeff Carter's house. Oh, really? Yeah. And he was, uh, I think part of his role was he would be making dinners for, for Jeff and at that time his fiance. Um, but, you know, they they were really close. And I guess that would go back to their days in Philly. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they he, he was very well liked in that room. Yeah, you could tell he was, uh, I think, um, you know, he was like a likable Sean Avery. Yeah. <laughs> that makes any sense. I worked with Sean Avery. I mean, is he miss? I, I read his book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of, you know, just as a fan, I enjoyed his uh, almost pro wrestling style <laughs> antics. Was he, what was he like to work with? When I worked with him, the brief period of time that I worked with him, he was great. Um, but I think that, you know, that there was definitely a lot of, a lot of insecurity. And, um, you know, I think a lot of what he did was maybe he had a bit of that Napoleon complex and guys right. would pick on him just because of his size. And he would just, he was tough. I mean, in that King's room, I mean, you know, I remember Matty Nordstrom was like, I think a guy that always tried to keep Sean in line. And um, I'll never forget, Brendan Shanahan told me a story that uh, a game in LA and he skated by the uh, the King's bench and he skated by Avery and he said, stop telling me how much you hate your coach and all the French guys on your team. And it shut Avery up for the rest of the night. <laughs> I love Shanahan. Like... <laughs> He's just like that night he uh, was going after Yager on the Rangers. It was Brashear. Yeah. And, you know, Shanahan wasn't really a fighter at that point. And he center ice, called Brashear out. And he probably beat him if you're scoring it like a boxing match. That's Shanahan to a T. You're not going to touch Yager. Yeah. And if you are, even though I don't like fighting, I'm going to do it. So, uh, well, there's a story. Uh, and I don't want to blow any sources for you, but, you know, there's, uh, you know, Avery, uh, I guess at one point in the King's locker room, allegedly had uh, made fun of Dustin Brown's uh, lisp. And yeah. then I think it was Scott Thornton, who I always liked. Uh, of course, the Kings got him a little late to the party. Yeah. Uh, Scott Thornton had an incident uh, with Mr. <laughs> Avery. Um, so I can't imagine... In really any of the last few locker rooms he was in, his shtick got old fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, he had a hard, he definitely had a hard time. I just found, you know, working with him away from the rink, you know, he um, he was good to work with. He was fine. You know, we had did a couple of projects together. He showed up on time and very respectful. And, um, but yeah, I mean, shortly thereafter, you know, it was when he had the uh, the comments about uh, Mr. Fanoof, Mr. Fanoof, and the leftovers, and then he—I mean, he—he he wouldn't even talk to me after that. Like, I, he just—he's like, "You're the." I mean, well, yeah, I mean, like, from a fan's point of view, I think, "Well, that's pretty funny, right?" Like, I really like this guy's uh, Ric Flair type <laughs> of, uh, but as uh, someone who had to work with him, or I can imagine uh, even players on uh, the team. You know, probably friends with Dion Phaneuf. It's like, hey, man, that's. Although Dion, you know, had a reputation that wasn't, uh, he wasn't the easiest guy to get along with. And then. You, you know, know, he seems, never met him. Yeah. 
Uh, I thought he played great on the Kings. Yep. Uh, totally agree. Uh, and I thought he assimilated. I thought he fit in really well. And I think that, you know, Dion, uh, I think the one thing, and he wanted to be in LA and coming to LA allowed Dion to get out of the spotlight. Playing in a Canadian market for him, he's always going to be a focal point. There's no question. Um, and so whether it was Ottawa or Toronto or Calgary, you know, he was the center of attention. And in, and his performance started to drop. And when he came to LA, the expect, you know, what they were looking for Dion was far less of where he was looked, what they needed from him from any of the other three teams he played for. And it was a great fit. And he was, he was, hey, in my short dealings in that brief period of time, he, he was, he was not the person that I had heard about and, you know, from years gone by. Well, you know, I think as you get older, yeah. I mean, some guys get worse to deal with, uh, but I think he seems like he's, and okay, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm speaking for him, but I don't have to be such a dick. Right. And and also in LA, you know, he, he can, he does he can hide, you know, or you don't even have to hide as a hockey player. But I mean, do players like, like, and this, this is a great lead into Kovalchuk. Uh, you know, I would imagine LA is the best of everything from the standpoint of you're on a good team. I mean, they, I, I would say the Kings are cup contenders, uh, you know, maybe a move here and there still have to be made, which we'll get into, but you can walk outside and no one's going to like hound you. This is your hardcore fan. Right. Well, look, once you get past either Staples Center or their practice facility in El Segundo, you know, you're blended in. And even when they're out, you know, in Manhattan Beach, right. Redondo Beach, where most of these guys live, they just fit in. I mean, they're just like, you know, another person out there. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not what it's like in other markets. So it, yes, to me, this is an ideal place. And what you're seeing with this organization is that, you know, their ability to recruit, whether it is a guy like Ilya Kovalchuk who really wanted to be in LA, or it's some of the younger, you know, even college kids that they, that the unsigned free agents that uh, they've been able to sign. This has become a destination for a variety of different reasons. Great lifestyle, fantastic weather. Uh, they like the direction of where the team is going. Uh, so this is this has become a destination, and it start look it started years ago when Willie Mitchell was the was a free agent that they brought in, and it's continued since then. But what what Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille have done to transform this organization in a very short period of time, uh, not just on the ice but off the ice. It is a totally different place to be around since Dean and Daryl left. And I'm not here to disparage either one of Dean or Daryl because what they did in, in their time, two Stanley Cups, you know, unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, I, you know, I am a uh, huge Dean Lombardi fan. Uh, but just to throw this out there, I thought Sam McMaster did a great job given what he was handed. Like, I think, you know, he's probably... Well, Dave Taylor too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Some of the guys that that Dave drafted, he just didn't have the money to work with. But look, for me, the 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 there's a moment. There are two moments that stick out for me with Dean that I was fortunate be, and privileged to be around just because I'm a media member. And one was uh, after they eliminated um, Arizona or Phoenix, whatever it was at the time, <laughs> and, and went on to the Stanley Cup final. The moment of Dean hugging Dustin Brown in the in, down uh, by the locker room area, uh, like it was his son, 
Right. It it was it was gripping. It was just like that was his kid, and he was just he was so happy. Um, and then the other moment was a really good learning experience um, during that cup. During I think it was in the cup final. Yeah, the cup final. Uh, there was a an incident that was captured on TV with Doughty and and Carter yelling at each other by the bench. And I asked Dean, I said, did you, you know, how did you deal with it? And he said, look, I, I brought them into my room after the game. And I just said, guys, I can't have my star players yelling at each other. It doesn't look good. If it's a star player yelling at a fourth liner, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I can't have my two stars because it, it, it just, it doesn't look good to the rest of the team. It's a bad message. And I really liked, you know, I, Dean was a great, you know, I thought, you know, did a great job, but you know, as why he was so successful ended up leading to his downfall because he just he didn't want to let go of his kids. He didn't want to send his kids off when it was time to go. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, but, you know, I guess what I liked about him was he. you talk about cleaning house. He fired the fucking massage guy. Like, he got rid of everyone. And this was back when he had to basically bribe Michael Hansis four years, 16 million, you know, like that's how desperate the Kings were. Well, and at that time, you know, Earl, they could have had guys like Daniel Briere or there was Scott Gomez. There were a lot of other, I think Chris Jury was another free agent. Like there were a lot of, at that time, guys that you would think could have more of an impact on a team. And I had one Kings executive after Dean made those signings of Hanzus and, oh my God, who was uh, <laughs> Oh my God, I think the uh, guy from St. Louis. Yeah, yes. Or, I, it starts with a Nagy. Yes. Last Number 47. Seven. Yeah. And I had one Kings executive tell me after those signings, he says, it's like we I, I we just dumped, dumped a pile of shit on top of Staples Center. Like, why but, did we just do this? But, you know, Dean had a smart plan. But I, like, Hanzus taught them, like, how to be a professional. Right. Well, and like, that's what Dean wanted. Now, you might say... She had to pay him $4 million a year. But, like, he was great on draws. Mm -hmm. He was, like, a quiet, you know, not a rah-rah guy. But it's like, I want everyone to act like this guy. Yeah. And he was coming off an ACL surgery. Like, I think that was the thing that was like, Jesus, you got to pay this guy on one leg. But, you know, it, and, and Nagy maybe didn't work out. No. Like, you know, they had But they were looking for guys to fill, you know, place fillers. Right. Until they were good enough to bring in guys. Yeah, And that's what Dean was trying to do. And that was something that was hard for a lot of the people that had been there prior to Dean to understand that this is the way we need, we have to rebuild and we just can't start. We're not good enough yet to sign these big name guys. Right. And it ended up when you look at the guys that he passed on, I mean, probably made the better move. Oh yeah. I mean, that was like, I know when, uh, you know, I think that the one thing that bothers me about fans and you might even say some reporters are like, you know, go, go get Tavares, go, go get Carlson. Go, you know, like it's fantasy hockey. Right. Like, you know, I know Sam McMaster wanted to sign Pat Verbeek. I think it was for $1 million a year, which is like, it's like nothing now. But, uh, and I had a Kings executive tell me, this is my only inside source ever. This is 25 years ago. He's like, we can't even afford to pay our equipment people right now. Right. Like the, like the glove and stick manufacturers were stopping deliveries on, on equipment. So I thought McMaster did a good job under that. And that's now happening in Ottawa or what? Oh boy. We're going to get into Ottawa's, uh, well, I feel bad for like, really the whole league is held up by, uh, 
Carlson right now. I mean, in terms of like Dallas wants him, Tampa Bay wants yeah. him, Rangers. I even heard uh, Edmonton's like kicking tires. Yeah, that ain't happening. They can kick. They they, they can kick tires. I mean, look, there's there's with Carlson. Look, there's Tampa. There's Dallas. Uh, you know, the Rangers are more of, of an offshoot. You know, they'll they'll if Tampa could swing a three team deal, then I think the Rangers would be a team that would be involved because they're they could the Tampa would have to try to pile off some. You know, like a Callahan, right? To get rid of his, right. yeah. But now, if it's Dallas, I think they they don't need a third team. Tampa, I think, is the only one that really needs a third team to make that deal. And so, if you're Eric Carlson, you know, I'm not sure what's holding things up. I don't know if it's like he, you know, does he want to be in one place over another, you know, uh, because any team, you know, the centers have made it clear you can try to negotiate an extension with him. So. What's interesting to me, uh, you know, if Steve Eiserman can pull this off, I mean, it'll be it, it'll be unbelievable. I mean, it, credit him and his capologist. The one thing that I have heard with with t- with guys that want to sign or re-sign in Tampa, and we're going to see it with Ryan Ellis in Nashville, is that when these guys do their deals and they take what looks to be that hometown discount, like the Kucherov deal, which is at nine point five. A lot of these players are, are are doing their darndest to to negotiate a no trade clause. The reason being is not so much they you know they they're it's it's they're doing it, Earl, because nine five in Tampa or nine five in Dallas or Nashville ain't worth nine five in right. L A. So that's the one thing that I have heard from players is that if I'm going to negotiate that that deal for less money. Um, because of the taxes, I want to make sure that I, I have a no trade because it's not going to be worth the same down the road. Because I think a lot of people don't realize there's no state income tax in, I think, Vegas or Vegas? Uh, Nevada. I yeah, guess. Nevada. Uh, so that's a prime. Texas. De- yeah, and Florida. Florida. Right. So, and Tennessee. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go Preds. Right. So, you know, you're right. Like, you know, you could a $2 million condo in, you know, Nevada is, you know, not gonna be that in century city right <laughs> you know so it's i don't think people realize well why doesn't i think the player gets a bad rap for oh you're you're high and mighty you don't want to play for uh say chicago no i just don't want to pay the taxes i have to pay or well, winnipeg right well you know the other you know and the funny here's another thing I, I was told by uh players is that when they put together their no trade their no trade clause and they, let's say they have a 10 team deal what a lot of them do is they put they they leave teams off that they know they can't afford them anyways. Right. So they don't even bother to put that team on there because they know that they can't be traded there because their cap is too big. Right. Like I a, find I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like a team like Winnipeg is I was reading this morning is pretty close to the cap. Yeah, and they've got a lot of guys to resign. So that's why Winnipeg wasn't active and they had to, you know, they lost a guy like Joel Armia to Montreal because they're trying to they've got Lion A and Hellebuck. Um and I think it's Shifley Shifley or Wheeler still has up next year. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a lot of deals that are up for next year. So they you know they're not in a position to to make moves. So would you say a guy like Myers might be tradable just because he's like the No, I think Myers is fine because I think, you know, it, it's look, Truba's not going to be back in Winnipeg. Why not? Or, I love that guy. Or I'm sorry, Enstrom. I'm sorry. Okay. Enstrom's not going to be back in Winnipeg. I mean, once you know. So they've got Truba's another guy that they have to they've got to try to find a deal for. They got they've got I think like six or seven guys up in the next year or two um that are either RFAs or UFAs. So uh 
you know, but that's another tough place for people to want to go play. At Winnipeg? Least, yeah, at least to sign long-term. Like, you know. It's cold. I mean, beyond. Oh, my God. Earl, I was there for a wedding once in August, and there were snow, hailstones the size of golf balls hitting my window in August. Like, seriously. I was at Rumors Comedy Club in Winnipeg. Yeah. Opening up for Rob Schneider, the, the great Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. And it was minus 20. No wind chill. Like it was a, a straight down the line, minus 20. And I'll never forget walking outside. I had two pairs of sweats on, jeans over the sweats. Same thing up top, two sweatshirts and a sweater. And a guy is on the corner in flip-flops and shorts. And he looks at me and goes, where are you from? I'm like, oh, Los Angeles. He just looks at me and goes, pussy <laughs> so i could see i mean it's tough look it's a great organization oh applaud every what the they've crowd. done there you know um might be the best fan base it's a really good it's fan. it's top but is five. anything really yeah i mean I, I haven't been to a game in nashville but is that not still the best chant like the you suck <laughs> chant it's all your fault like is there anything better I think it's great. You know, at Nash, the only problem I see there is when they start losing at some point, they, you know, they've had a nice run, yeah. but you know, it, it's like, you know, with the Lombardi era Kings, everyone's going to have to get paid at some well, point. Well, look, the big issue that they're facing right now is what to do with PK Subban. Uh, because, you know, the one thing with PK, like, like the issue was in Montreal, my understanding is the issue in Nashville is that, you know, someone delicately put it, he occupies a lot of oxygen in that room. <laughs> which is saying he's like a, a more uh he's like a super skilled sean avery from the standpoint of it's a lot of energy right and, and you have to expand, expand on a it. lot of that and you know a lot of that oxy people want a little more oxygen in that room and they got to sign ryan ellis you know and you know you've got so that's a big deal uh, i think that they would like i mean i've heard they'd like to move pk david poyle has said you know to the contrary, that he's not looking to move him. But, um, you know, look, I don't know. Like, that's a team, you know, you make two, they made two big runs. You know, right. You know, or, look, I know, or they only got to the second round this past year, but, man, that was a pretty physical two rounds they had to play. And after, the after you know, going to the cup final the year before, it wouldn't shock me to see a regression. I mean, just mentally, it's got to wear on you. Which will be interesting to see how the fans react because they, they, now they're conditioned for, you know, second round uh, loss is failure. Well, I mean, hey, look, it's a great team and there's a lot of good things in, in Nashville, but I just, I just wonder physically, it's a lot of hockey games and we've seen it. Look, we saw it firsthand here in LA. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen what Chicago has gone through. Now, partly both those cases, age also plays into it. Um, but I just, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see some, somewhat of a, you know, a, a setback with Nashville and hey, what happens with their goalie? I mean, they want to make that work. I know that he's got one year left on his deal. That's a big deal coming, you know, but I can't see, you know, he says he wants to stay, you know, is, is he willing to take a two or three year deal? Because I, I, you know, it'd be interesting, you know, and I can't see him making 7 million. Not Nashville. Well, I mean, I just not with a, if you believe that UC Soros is your goalie, you know, why are you going to pay Pecorene another, you know, for another four or five years uh, if he's not, you know, at, at his age? It just doesn't make sense. What's well, uh, the same problem the Kings have had with having? Qu it's a good problem well, to have. Yeah, but look, it's a very at, good problem. But look have. at his contract. Like that, he's a bargain. What five point eight million? Yeah, I think bad agent there. I'd fire. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, at the time that was, big, was a 
at the time, people were like, how, how, how can you pay him this kind of money? But right. at the time, it was a good deal. But like the problem is, is like, you know, they've lost some amazing uh, goalies, you know, well, Jones, uh, Bernier. Well, Bernier's been a backup. And Martin but, Jones, look, but you couldn't keep, you weren't going to yeah, keep. Yeah, you can't keep both. Jones are quick, but both Jones and quick. So, you know, they, uh, that that's the problem they have in, in, in having a great goalie coach in Bill Ranford, who's, you know, who took Martin Jones, who was an undrafted free agent, uh, took Jonathan Bernier and, and made him a, you know, you know, were able to, you know, they did a great job with him uh, playing in their for the AHL team, but went on to Toronto, didn't have the same success. You know, had good, good, a good year in both Anaheim and Colorado. But hey, look, I, I, you know, I, Jonathan Quick at five point eight and two Stanley Cups. Uh, oh, hey, <laughs> oh, he's completely worth it. And that now that gets us a good lead into the Kings, okay? Because to me, the Kings are. They're such a tweener team right now, and what I mean by that is, you know, they're they're not young, they're not old, they're not slow, they're not fast, they're not big, they're not small. They're, it's such a uh, I I get the feeling this might be the last run with this group because they their their better players are definitely older. Well, this is not your daddy's or you know even you know the our daddy's kings as they say. <laughs> look, I, I I yeah I I would agree with you because I look at the fact that. You know, when they signed Kovalchuk to three three years, and that was something that, you know, they didn't want to do, uh, but they had to in, in their minds. Because the, the choice was is that we weren't going to get him at two. We, you know, we had, so we had to pay for three. We didn't want to, I think they would have preferred to be closer to five than 6.25. But the issue for them was, is that, hey, look, they brought in a guy they didn't have to give up any assets for it. Absolutely. And so that was like that. There's there's your cost benefit analysis. Like if we trade, if we try to make a deal for Pacioretty, which we believe that they were close on, or you know, I, I was told that Jeff Skinner was then they if they didn't get Kovalchuk, they would have gone for Skinner. But you would have had to give up assets. So here they bring in a guy. They don't have to take anybody off the roster. Um, by the time his contract expires, Kopitar will be 34. Carter's going to be 36. So, hey, look, they uh, now look, there are replacements in the pipeline. You've got Gabe Velarde, you've got Anderson Dolan coming up. You look at what they've got on the back end, and you know, look, they've got the, the Brickley kid that came up, Andy Brickley's son that uh, came up at the end of last year, uh, an, an undrafted free agent. Uh, they drafted a kid in the first round this year uh, who can play, who plays center. Kaspari. Yeah. And so, look, when you look at the lineup this year, I would you, you, you where it starts out with Kopitar, Brown, and Kovalchuk. I mean, uh, let's do this line by line. That line scares me because of in this NHL, yeah, that's a slow line. Kopitar's not slow, but you know, I can't imagine. I can see McDavid licking his chops against that line. Kovalchuk was never really fast to begin with. Right. But here, you know, they, they always talk about being fast and playing fast. So if you're not if you're not fast, then you have to play fast and move the puck quickly. And I thought that that Kopitar Brown and I follow for the most part last year did a really good job. Oh, I mean, for sure. Take a look at the numbers. I mean, their numbers, you know, it's not like these guys were minus players. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I... I, I can live with that line. Oh, for sure. I mean, Kovalchuk, uh, 
I mean, they didn't have to give up anything right. for him. And that's if you get, like, look, think about it. If you get 25 goals out of Kovalchuk, that's total. 16 more than you had from Ayafalo, who played the, the majority of the time on that top right. line. That's a big upgrade, 16 goals. 100%. So I'm good with that. Then, you, then now you've got the, that 70s line. There's the question mark for me, because you've had two, you know, both Pearson and Toffoli have not been what this team, I think, had hoped for. Right. Uh, I mean, totally, it was like, he just screams 30, 40 goals. Right. But for some reason... Had a good start, bad finish. It, it just... Uh, what do you think that is? I mean, uh, he seems hungry. Like, he, he doesn't seem like he's lazy. No. But it just... Do you think it's the Lee caught up to, okay, these are his tendencies? You know, I'm not sure what the... I'm not sure what it is. I don't know, you know, look, how much of it was that he missed Jeff Carter. Um, but then even when Carter came back, there wasn't a lot of magic in the regular season. Now, in Carter's case, I get the impression that when Carter came back, he was like, okay, I'm good enough. I, I can play. I may be 80%. Right. You know, I'm not 100. Um, and I don't know how much of that affected the other two guys. But look, this is their last crack. Um, but I, you know, Rob Blake talks about the, has mentioned the fact in the offseason that he wasn't done, that he still wanted to add some secondary scoring. So if, if that's the case, then it's got to be Pearson or Toffoli. If he's still looking to make a deal to add secondary scoring, because your third line is supposed to be Velarde, Kempe, and Ayafalo. That's going right. to be your third line. It's a very fast line. That's a, that's a fast line. You now need that against Vegas. Right. And now, it, now there's a possibility, depending on how some of those guys play, that they could you know, move up or down in the process. They want to keep Kempe at center, but hey, if Velarde, you know, uh, if he blossoms, maybe he can go up and, and play on the second line. Like it's, it's I, possible. I mean, I just, my, my concern with Velarde is they're, they're really counting on him. Like, I guess what sticks in my head, and I, I know you'll remember this player, Alexander Dagg. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who literally put up 200 point seasons. And I believe Hull, Mm-hmm. Now he played in the queue. Uh, but I remember a game he was playing against Steve Chase on, was on his wing yeah. on defense. And uh, he tried the same move three times in a row against Chase on. And you could tell Steve Chase on was definitely slower than Dag. He moved like a uh, a pylon and he had the turning radius of the Titanic. <laughs> but he was so smart. And each time you could see he was laughing at Dag going, this ain't the queue, dude. You're not pulling that shit, pardon my language, on me. And I just worry that Velarde might see that same, like, okay, I can do the dipsy doodles against a 17-year-old kid with acne, yeah. but that's not going to work against even, say, a guy like Braden McNabb. I'm not sure, though, because I hear that, you know, the comparisons of, of people compare Velarde more to Getzlaff. Right. So if if it, if that's the comparison, then and if that's the an accurate comparison, then I'm not so much worried about that. But this organization, you know, my again, I don't know for a fact, just what you hear. But anytime, you know, when the Canadians and Mark Bergevin would call about a Pacioretty deal with the Kings, uh, Velarde and then Rob Blake would say, would would you know, the phone would go silent. It would click. You know, <laughs> goodbye. Right. We're not. You know, there's no deal with Velarde. So. I mean, they're really high on this guy. And, you know, you, you never know. You never know. But this is an organization that's given up on youth so many times before that uh, they've got to give it a shot. And in saying all that, I'm one, though, 
I love this line and I can't take credit for it. It belongs to Casey, Casey Stern from MLB network parades over prospects any day of the week. Right. (laughs) I, so if you've got an opportunity to get a, a proven player, I'll trade the prospect. You know, that's why I had no problem with some of Lombardi's ladder deals. The Lucic deal, complete disaster. Yeah. I have no problem with yeah. it. He took he a shot. shot. Right. Uh, horrific long term for this team. Same thing with the Sakaris deal. I would do that trade tomorrow. Uh, so I, I, you know, but, you know, the cupboard's a little bare now. And right, I don't pay for it. But hey, look, you know what, though? They've got two Stanley Cups. And so I, it it's it buys you time. It oh, buys, absolutely. It buys you time. And I think that, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at Dean's situation or any GM, especially in a cap era, when you have the opportunity, you got to go for it. Yeah. And I think the Kings are in, like you just said, it, it's this is the last probably the last run since your core players are in their 30s. Right, so now you're looking for the guys like Velarde and Anderson Dolan to move up the pipeline, and Kempe. Mersh, possibly for fourth line. Oh, there you go. Mersh gone to Dallas? Really? Yeah. Because I knew Gravel. Gravel, Edmonton. And Ryder. Toby Reader, Edmonton. You know, I was kind of hoping we'd... I get why they couldn't sign. They couldn't afford him. And and really, like... I didn't like what I saw out of him in terms of he he seemed weak. Here I am, a stand-up comic. (laughs) Right. No, but I mean, he, he reader could probably kill me, right? But, but I didn't. He didn't seem to be. He didn't seem to have a tremendous amount of desire to go into the corner. Very much like Ron Dugay. Yeah, yeah. one of those guys that goes in with a dozen eggs and comes out with thirteen. <laughs> Just like okay, I'm going to let Brown get right. that one. But I in today's NHL. You need speed. Yeah. And he's like. He is, but I just, you know, and he's a guy that I think scored 30 or came in, in Arizona or came. I think he had like one, uh, 15 and 60. He, he, but I think he had, he's put up the numbers. Um, but I just, look, and it's hard when you come over in a deal. Like it takes time. I, I understand it to, to kind of fit in. He was given an opportunity to play important minutes with, you know, on that top line. And I just never saw anything like, I was like, Put I a follow back there because he he made that line go like reader just right it just didn't work it and didn't I, work and I don't know if I follow is a first line no <clears throat> pardon me I don't think he is nine goals will tell you and that's nothing against him but like you know, your first line it's like but bring I in Kovalchuk and Brown loved playing with I you could tell he's a puck hawk I mean yeah. uh not hog uh, he's a puck hawk yeah uh, where he yeah he really he, he was he there that line I thought was more effective with him on there without a doubt well i thought he was like the opposite of reader where he really he was around the puck yeah oh yeah he would not lose a battle but you know it's when you're talking first line uh you know bring on nine Il- goals ain't gonna work Ilya. yeah come on in yeah which will be interesting to see his acclamation you know he hasn't been in the nhl for five years you know russia's uh Acclamation from what standpoint? The speed of the game? I think it's a different, it's a different, uh, you know, he left the league when, and I'm not picking on this player, but you know, when Dwight King was a valuable, (laughs) no, I mean, Dwight King helped get us two cups. Right. Much love. But like, Dwight King. favorite. Yeah. yeah. Daryl loved him. (laughs) For better or worse. Uh, But like, I don't know if a Dwight King could even play in the league. 
anymore. Well, yeah, but I I wouldn't necessarily. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that in, you know, like I'll trust Rob Blake and, and their staff, hundred percent, who heavily scouted him and feel confident enough. And look, there were enough teams that wanted this guy, so there's got to be you know, despite you know, you can talk about the fact that the competition is not NHL caliber that he played against, but when they watched what he was still able to do out there, hey, look, you know. I, I talked to Kopitar uh, after the deal, and he was like, he he was he was excited for it, and said, "Hey, look, I I'm I'm hoping this guy can score 25 for us, but definitely, you know, you have to be excited that again they're trying to find a way to oh absolutely the team. I mean, I there was yeah. another Russian though that that is not coming back. I don't even know if you want to get into that, Mr. Voinov. Yeah, I I absolutely do because it's. Uh... It kind of, I know we talked about this on uh, Kings of the Roundtable, yeah. which I think is coming back, uh, you know, uh, so be on the lookout for that. The mayor, John Hoven, uh, Dennis Bernstein, Brian Slagle, myself and Mr. Davis. This is a streamlined version. <laughs> right. This is like the new rat with just uh, the singer and the bass player. Uh, it gets into that, you know, gray area of the law well look, my, my understanding was a year ago the kings would have brought him back really and then the me too movement happened right and that changed everything and it's tough i mean it's like i'm a and i think we talked about this on the round table when it was my turn i'm a huge pittsburgh steeler fan roethlisberger got hurt we brought in michael vick and uh it's like Jesus, man, I'm, I'm a huge dog lover. And like Michael Vick killed five dogs with his own hands mm -hmm. in the technical sense. He he paid his debt. He went to jail. He can help the Steelers because he's a very high IQ uh, quarterback. And, you know, his first play as a Steeler, he threw an 80-yard touchdown pass to Antonio Brown. And I'm like, you know, he's paid his dues. <laughs> well, look, you know, I, I and and I don't know. My feeling is, is that, now we don't know, you know, you know, since he went to Russia, we don't know, you know, he didn't serve jail time, right? You know, his his punishment was he's not able to play in the NHL. Uh, I don't know how much of his situation has changed. My only, and and, and again, I you know, the argument that people have given me is a totally different time. Danny Heatley killed somebody, right? Um, and it was an accident. You know, he had the car. You know, he was driving at a high. Driving way too fast. Who was the player? It's a blanking. Um, Snyder? Yeah. Snyder. You know, he killed somebody. And we, you know, we felt bad for him because it was an accident. But, you know, it was, it was still charged with vehicular homicide. I mean, he, you know. He and if was, you saw pictures of the car. Yeah. I mean, I mean the car it was, was a literally right. in half. Yeah. Now, I just, I, I, at some point, look, I, you know, if you feel the guy has, has changed, then I, I don't know, you know, it's like, tough. does he get punished for the rest of his life? Like he made a mistake. Um, we've all made mistakes and I, I don't know. Like, and I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong answer it, but I guess really from my standpoint, if they, if you told me that they were bringing him back, I wouldn't have an issue with it. If I, if I felt that, you know, look, 
if I felt that, hey, look, you know, maybe he does says I'm going to do community, some type of community service. I'm going to get involved with, you know, some women's organization. I don't know, you know, if that would be different. I just think at some point, you know, um, he did a horror, he did a terrible thing. Um, but does he get vilified for the rest of his life? Is, is, is that, you know, that's the only thing that I feel with Voinoff. And so it wouldn't bother me. I, I have no issue to, you know, they're not, they're not going to bring him back. So we know that for sure that he's not even in. My understanding is, is that, that they, they own his rights. They would trade his rights to somebody else. Now there's still, you know, work that paperwork that needs to be completed, but he's not being charged with a felony. Um, you know, he'll probably be suspended by the league for a period of time. Would you say like, I mean, I know it's hard to like, would you say, say 20, 20 games? 20, maybe 30, you know, but somewhere I would say minimum of 20 games. So, you know, and maybe it's easier for someone to say, hey, look, we can, we can fix the problem. You know, don't bring him back to the LA or, you know, to LA. Um, Do you think the league was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, you might want to trade him out of LA since, since this is. I'm not. I'm like not the, sure. I think the epicenter LA of the Me Too. I mean, it's where most yeah, of it no, had Hollywood. Uh, do you think he, Ari, do you think Blake and Robitaille or the ownership is like, uh, we don't want to deal with the headache of every game? I think that they don't want to deal with I, I, I I'm assuming because there's been a, a, you know, a complete turnaround from where they were a year ago from saying, yeah, we were, you know, we're, he'll be here to now know he won't. So something has changed in their minds. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Me Too movement. Well, it's so tough because he's exactly what they need. Like yeah. that, that's like yeah. the, the, the uh, fan who wants the third cup goes, he would, him and uh, Fanouf as a pairing, and maybe. Well, I think, think Fanouf would, would go to a third. I mean, you've got, you know, maybe. Martinez. Yeah. Maybe Martinez reunite. Or, or Muzzin. Like wow, that's a nice yeah. top six. You know, if you if you had Muzzin and and uh, and and Voinoff and Martinez and Fanuf and wow, you know, and then you still got guys, you know, the, you know, the Brickley, you know, Brickley and seven. Fattenberg and and Ledoux, who suppose you know, yeah. I liked Fattenberg uh, against. I mean, that guy stepped up. Yeah, in that double overtime game, he was a horse. Now he uh, got exposed the next game. Right, he got exposed because it wasn't it was him that got exposed in the Neil goal. I thought it was Gravel. Oh, was it Gravel? Remember? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So that's why I wasn't heartbroken that Gravel, uh, you know, went to Edmonton. But, uh, you know, I did, you know, he was like a Michelle Petit type. Yeah, irreplaceable. I mean, you're not, you're not losing sleep over the fact he's gone. I I thought, you know, I think that if he had health issues last year uh, that, that didn't allow him to go to China with the team, uh, they really, I thought that they did like him. I don't think Daryl ever did the guy any favors when he was here. Right. But, you know, look, he's a guy that is is replaceable. Look, I, I I'm still I'm still amazed on how well Forbert played this year. Oh, he was great. I mean, he went from be, you know Doughty having to babysit him to being a legitimate guy, a guy that could could play with a top pairing defenseman to play. You know, and I and it's funny because I was bummed when they. When, I don't know about you, like when McNabb was exposed. I liked McNabb. I liked McNabb. Uh, but I, I guess it was basically McNabb or Forbert. Right. Who, who do we want to lose? Right. And I had one one Kings executive tell me before we knew who it was going to be, he said, I wouldn't protect Forbert with a condom. You know, <laughs> I was just oh. like, wow. That's when you know your stock's dropping. Yeah. But there, you know, there he was. And he played, he played really well. He was, he looked like, 
more like the first round draft pick that he was right. uh, last year than he did two years ago. And, and all the credit to him uh, for that. Well, I, I don't remember the two incidents, but he twice he fought mm-hmm. when he didn't have to. And I was like, okay, maybe. I mean, you know, you got to lose someone, I guess. Right. So it's yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Uh, I like McNabb's wild card. Uh, you know, I those body checks. I, well, you know, I just he reminded me a lot of a better, slightly bigger version of Michelle Petit. And I'm, I'm probably the first time Michelle Petit's name's ever been mentioned on a podcast. Twice. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, Once is a reach. Right. Twice is. But like he was, a, you know, a first round pick with Vancouver. Uh, he would leave his position to get the big hit. And when he did, it was great. When he didn't, it was a disaster. And that's McNabb. Like you see him go over the big hits, he'll leave his zone to crunch <laughs> someone. And when it works, it's like, this guy's great. Hey. <laughs> and then when he does, but he really grew in Vegas. Like, yeah. Uh, Cause he was given a better role. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I mean, and he, yeah. And he, he handled it quite well. I mean, that was, uh, but I do, I did miss his, uh, you know, uh, you know the Kings lost a little, lot of sandpaper until Fanouf came in. I like Fanouf's dirtiness. Yeah, I, well, maybe dirtiness is no, the, but just uh, on the line. Yes, nastiness. I take that back. I don't know if he's dirty, Not but t- like yeah. for an older guy, and of course I'm like 12 years older than he is. <laughs> uh, I like his orneriness. Yeah. Like there's a few times oh, where he, yeah. he caused uh, scrums where he probably could have just you know, didn't have to, and he did it anyway. I, I like that. And he can trash talk with the best of them. We, we always remember like the, him and Sidney Crosby going at it. And- yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but you know, I, I do miss McNabb and, uh, but they have, you know, he was losable, I guess, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not, yes, he was, he, he, he was in now looking back at the way that Forbert played, Yes, they they didn't make the wrong decision. Let's put it that way. Right. And, you know, I mean, the Kings roster is pretty set. Yeah. I mean, outside of trading someone from that 70s line. Well, I don't like seriously. I mean, and and that's just trading one. You know, you're probably not if you're making that move, you're you're making almost like a lateral trade. But I think it's more just to get a different look different different blood in there that's the only reason if rob blake is saying that he wants to add some more scoring i'm just not sure where else it can be i mean i know maroon and i think he's maroon signed with the blues with the blues see this is why jonathan's (laughs) has his own radio show and i'm doing stand-up but i couldn't do stand-up you could do this better than i could do stand-up well i'm just a fan Okay, nothing wrong with that. That's good. I've, like I said, but I and I don't know why I get so emotionally invested in the Kings. I guess because I've been a fan from day one, coming out of my mama, mm-hmm. uh, which is a visual. I'm sure just <laughs> lost whoever was listening. Uh, I mean, I was a fan when the Kings had J.P. Kelly. You know, I was a fan when we traded Larry Murphy for Ken Houston. Uh, so I. I cried when we yeah. won in 2012. Yeah. Like, I was like, my God, 40 whatever years. Right. Of, 45 years. Of, like, yeah. some good hockey. I mean, the Kings in the 80s were not bad. No, they weren't. But it's Showtime Lakers. Yeah. They were not going to be covered. Right. I mean, I remember. Well, you had to wait till 88 when Gretzky right. got here. I mean, I remember, it, you know, back in the days of the early 80s, this is when the NBA Finals were on tape delay. Yeah. Channel 2 at midnight was when I watched uh, the Lakers in Philly. 
when Magic had to play center. Uh, so you can imagine if that's getting that kind of coverage, you know, what the Kings were getting. Yeah. I think there was two games on TV a year. Wow. Uh, wow. KCOP. Yeah. For, they must have had some backdoor deal. To just put two games on. <laughs> you put it at four in the morning after a Byron Allen show. Just just <laughs> put these effing games on. Uh, but, you know, so I like... I guess that's why I'm so like, my God, we won two cups. And we almost won the, the one in the middle when Stoll got yeah. hurt. Yeah. Rafi Torres, you bastard. <laughs> uh, so there's like, another guy that is, you know, you talk about just an SOB on the ice and just super nice off of it. Yeah. I mean, but he's, he's unemployable. I know. What team would like want to take that headache on? I know. Nobody. Yeah. And he's not that old. No. Like, it's not like he, no. he could play like, yeah. but, uh, you know, so in that sense, I'm glad the league's cleaned up his act, but I still don't understand some of the things, you know, like, you know, you want to get rid of fighting because you're want to protect the players, but you let Marchand do these needed. Oh, that, yeah, that. And Brown's no angel. No, but how many times has he been suspended? Well, how many times how many, has he been caught? No, these look, Earl, these days, every... And I'm a fan of No, Brown. no, no. I, Dustin, like to me, you know, um, Dustin has been... You're going to get caught. And so, you, you know, you've got the incident, you know, in, in the Arizona game. Against Roosevelt. Yeah, which was not a knee on knee. It was pretty close. No, it was thigh, but it wasn't knee on knee. It <laughs> was thigh. The That's the knee, though. No. Uh, the thigh is part of the knee. Uh, but no, but people think more like dead on. Uh, the kneecap. The right? kneecap. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Like, that's where, that's where you really do some damage to somebody. Um, I, I mean. I, but, uh, you know. Uh, Dustin to me is, I don't know. I'm a big fan. Oh, I'm a huge no, fan. And I just don't see, I understand like, you know, he can be really tough to play against. Um, I mean, I'd be a fan of Marshan if he was on the Kings. I'd be like, I well, love this I guy. Am a, I am a fan of Marshan. I just don't, the league, the league messed up. The league, this is the, you know, the league should have stepped in immediately and said, you can't do that the first time. Like you can't. Like it's, it's, it's like you do it again. You call the first time it happens, you call them up. It happens all the time with questionable hits. Guys get that phone call and they say, Hey, look, you're not going to get suspended, but next time, you know, that was a little close. We're going to get you the next time. Okay. And so when he did it, the ne you know, then when he did it the second time, they just, it's like, if you've got kids, you know, you, you gotta, I might, <laughs> yeah, you might look, I got two. And so if you don't, if you don't, um, uh, if you don't, you got to, it's easier to close the, you know, to have the gate closed at the beginning. It, once you keep it open all the time, never stops. So I blame, I blame the league for the way they handled the Martians. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, it just always bothered me. And you've seen my upstairs room with, yeah. you know, uh, whatever amount of tough guy jerseys. You want to get rid of the Belax and the Brashears and the Bugards and the Steve McIntyres and the Andreoffs to a degree, but you'll keep, you know some of these guys who just well Marchand can score i mean the, the thing but i don't think it's right no i know but i mean we look at the, we you know we look at his ability and 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 i think for for some people though you know it it cost him now his injuries cost him as well but prior to him being hurt there were a lot of people that said hey look i can't vote for this guy as mvp if he keep you know for the way he plays the game and the licking stuff yeah which i find you know Funny, but you know, and but some of you know just the stuff that he did get suspended for, right? The elbow to who was it? Uh, well, the, the uh, and the undercut, the the knee, you know, 
He had a vicious elbow. I want to say it was in, against a guy in Jersey, maybe. Oh, yes. Yeah, the one like, in front of the net. Right. Yeah. It's like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he scores 30 goals. It's yeah. cool. Right. That was, uh, well, there really are no more straight tough guys in this league but like if that was uh, Kevin, some fourth line slug you know fourth liner yeah, that was, i mean I, if it was if it was reese i'm not right. you know i'm just gonna throw it in right yeah no you're right he's probably the last tough guy like pure like yeah go get him right uh but he could play right yeah um god bless him for the contract that he just got because like i just him. i i mean like seriously like I, I just don't get it like he he had a he had a good playoff run, but then he didn't play for a bunch. There were a bunch of games he he didn't play. Well, yeah, I mean he's uh, he's an interesting dude. Like he's a straight line player. Like you know, another and a nice guy. Like there's another uh, another guy. Super tons of charity. Yeah, super super nice. Um, you know, uh, England. Uh, another guy who yeah. uh, t- you know t- tough guy, but. Tons of cha- charity. All right. Well, once we, you know, one thing I want to ask you about Kings. Something that, that it really Please. really bothered me. MVP. I thought Kopitar got screwed. Oh, one vote. Well, no, he didn't get. But one, one uh, first place. No, vote. no, he got. No, he got eleven. Oh, I'm sorry. He the got eleven. Yeah, that's crazy. He what, what what shocked me was not so much that he lost, but that McKinnon and Hall had twice as many points in the balloting that he did. That absolutely shocked me. I mean, I think it's the it still exists the the West Coast. You know bias. what though? I looked at I looked at the voting because you now the PW the Professional Hockey Writers Association releases their ball, all the ballots, and it 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 wasn't it, there really wasn't a bias. There was some crazy voting. We can get into that, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily look at it as a West Coast bias because look, those same people voted for him as the Selkie winner. Right. So I don't think that you can make the claim. I just think that we we get so wrapped up in offense and i understand you know look taylor hall had a phenomenal year oh absolutely you know um there, you know you you know you know you look at the difference in scoring between him and nico Heischer. i get it um but actually the difference between kopitar and dowdy was i think only 10 point i think they they had like a 30 point differential hall and Heischer were at 40 point differential but taylor hall was asked to do one thing offense right that's it he killed, he played seven minutes of penalty killing time the entire year. Okay. Kopitar played 178 minutes of penalty killing time. He he was, he he let all forwards, I believe, in time on ice, average time on ice. So this guy had to play harder minutes. And, you know, his his point differential was not that was not it was not a big gap between him and McKinnon Hall. I just like it wasn't so much that he lost, it was just that the voting was it was it was a, a two a two horse race. And to me, that was just bizarre. But there were there was some other weird voting. Like someone someone voted for Brent Burn. Oh, someone Dustin Brown got got a couple of I think uh, MVP vote or MV oh Selkie votes. And from people that I never like, I, I one person from Denver. Does vote. it say who voted? Like yeah, it says who voted. Oh yeah, who yeah oh yeah. You know, I I thought he should. Some people won didn't it. even have Kopitar in the top five. That's crazy. Like, I thought he should. You should won lose. It. Like to me, you should lose your right to vote. Like, what are you watching? I, I you know I I mean I think he's the best all around, uh, or one of the best. I know Crosby fans are like, what are you talking about? Well, I, yeah, I think I, that Kopitar does more. I mean, he, with what around. he had, I if you put Malkin with Kopitar, like he'd he'd wipe it up. Yeah. Uh, 
But I don't think fans and, and reporters, I don't think they really look at, okay, he's got Malkin, uh, Kopitar is Brown. N- not a shot at Brown at all. Right. But it's like, well, who's doing can, what with right. what they have? But you can also say that Taylor Hall had a rookie. Like, he, he had a rookie center. I get all of that. I just think that, you know, he was he did, he was asked to do one thing. He did it really well to Taylor Hall. McKinnon was great. I mean, the line that, that McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog was just, they were beasts. Oh, that's there. a great line. They were beasts. And the drop-off when, when, when McKinnon was out of the lineup for like 10 games, that line, did, I think, had two points between the, you know, they only had two points. So I, I get it. I just was surprised how much of a landslide it was. And I never, some of the voting really messes, like, screw, like, I just... Now that you can see it, like someone voted for Brent Burns, gave him a first place vote for the Norris. I'm like, really? His mother? Like, like. Oh, I, I thought Dowdy's. Uh, I mean, now I see much more Dowdy's games than I do Carlson and Hedman's. But like, I, I have a hard time believing he's not the best defenseman in the league right now. I thought Hedman had a phenomenal year. Now, I didn't watch. I have no argument with Hedman winning. Oh, he's great. Uh, I, I. I'm not a, like for me, Subban, I thought Ryan Ellis, I think Ryan Ellis is a better defenseman than Subban. I understand, you know, Subban, I think was second or third in goals. So again, with something that we get caught up on, but it's not the best offensive forward defenseman. Right. So I don't know. It, some of the voting, I, I know one guy that didn't vote for Barzell because he didn't make the playoffs for rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, that's like, like another, uh, like, you know, do you, go on what the team's accomplishing or this is an individual like it's a it's the rookie of it's the best rookie like like how can you not vote for him well it's like when mcguire you know now he was pharmaceutically enhanced yeah uh when he was popping you know 60 70 home runs a season but his teams were horrible (laughs) is it his fault like he's he's doing his job right but he's not technically helping the team win so what do you judge him on well look Connor mcdavid my argument against Connor mcdavid for being in my t- for if i had a vote to be in the top five is that he put up the bulk of his numbers when his team was out of it right you know and as valuable as he was they were horrible like so he may be he won the Lindsay award right. which is voted on by as the best player not the most valuable. Like to me, there's a difference. Connor McDavid, I have no argument. You want to tell me he is the, they look at as the best offensive player. He's pretty good. Right. But the most valuable, like that's why to me, it should have been Kobe. Oh yeah. You know, he does everything and he didn't have Jeff Carter for 55 games. So he had even more, uh, the other team's best, uh, defenders right against him whereas yeah. at least with carter it's you get a few more shifts where you're right there's no there's no yeah so i don't know i just uh that was just something well it's like you know when uh i get into discussions with who's the greatest player of all time mm-hmm. i think 99 percent of the people go to gretzky yeah just because his sheer offensive numbers i don't think people really appreciate scoring 200 points when dion had 100 right like he Doubled. Like doubled, yeah. That's like, I don't know if we'll ever see that ever again in any sport where someone comes along and just, even Jordan wasn't scoring double with right. the guy. Uh, we, we may see more, we may see, I think we're going to continue to see scoring increase as the, as the game right. becomes quicker and, and the physical play is is less. But I don't see some kid for who's playing for Ramuski in three years. That's the Oceanic for those of you uh, <laughs> uh, 
unfamiliar with that, coming in and scoring 200 points. No, I, I, I don't think I'm not. Uh... But, but I would rather have Mark Messier to start a franchise. And most people are like, what are you talking about? Oh, then Wayne Gretzky? Yeah, which is like, I, it's another podcast, I guess, but like, it depends what you value. I value uh, physical intimidation. Yeah. With skill, which Messier would literally, who was it? I think it was uh, not Mark Napier, but one of the Sutter brothers. He just hit in the face with his stick, took out three of their teeth. They won the that series because he did that. I think in today's game, I'd rather have Gretzky. Oh, in today's game, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, I don't even, maybe even before I would have, I don't know. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne was just one. Oh, I mean, the records he set are just like, will never be broken. It was amazing. Hey, I want to go back to Doughty. Please. What what did you think about the fact that he negotiated his own deal? He fired his agent, not for any personal reasons, but that just. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you, you know, you being in the entertainment business, do you have an agent? No, I have. No agent, no manager, no representation, and I've never been more successful. <laughs> but I will say this, uh, yeah. and of course it's a different, um, like on the Comedy Central show, uh, I I don't know if I should say was on or am on. Mm-hmm. It's, that's another podcast. <laughs> um, I was the only one in my season that didn't have representation, so I was given the toughest battles, the toughest matchups, because I'm sure the thinking was, well, right. It's not like if we give him this bracket and he loses, ICM's going to be calling. Right. Just going, what? What are you doing? Right. Uh, th- we have a client. We would like him to be protected more. Yeah. Not easy matchups, but just like right. So you know, I I always get concerned when I see a player representing themselves. Uh, what's the saying? Uh, and they use it more for legal cases. Yeah, a fool. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? The, Don't. Um, yeah. The, like the biggest fool is the client who represents okay. himself, or something to that effect. I mean, I guess you save the ten percent. Or no, it's three. Oh, it's it's three. That's it. Yeah. So oh. what Dowdy said was, he goes, look, it's kind of you know, it's like. He saved himself another two million dollars, which goes back to the uh, the taxes. You know, there's you know, and he used the you know Dustin Brown didn't have an agent, um, and actually our our good friend Dennis Bernstein uh, was actually very helpful to Dustin during his negotiations of his contract. Did he get him a Red Bull endorsement? <laughs> he Jeez, he's got to cut back yeah. on those. <laughs> this is coming from someone who drinks four a day. Uh, but so no, I thought it was interesting. The only complaint that I have heard from people regarding Dowdy's contract uh, is that he didn't get enough signing bonus money, which would have been protected um, from uh, any lockout. Right. So he didn't negotiate enough in that realm. But, you know. uh, I just get concerned. How are we on time before? Because you've got a wife and two kids. How are we on time? Uh, Let's say another 10 minutes. You got it. You got it. Uh, Well, I just, uh, you know, in in my world, uh, you you know, you just, uh, it's always better. You know, someone said to me, the perfect way was Earl, you needed someone to be the bad guy for you. So you don't have to be the one who makes the calls to Comedy Central or to Netflix and go, hey, can we get my guy in? We, you know, and and that's my concern with Dowdy and like Tavares had, uh, was it ICM? No, uh, CA. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I spent three days like outside the CA offices. It, this this is how exciting our business is. Okay, so I'm working for TSN, and uh, we had two camera cr- two crews out there, 
And we are literally there watching the various, the six groups walk in and out of the office. Um, The first day I was there for 11 hours. I stayed until Lou Lamorello and, uh, and Barry Trotz left the office. Um, But none of them, no one would ever come on camera. Like, um, I don't know Lou well enough and I don't know Barry really at all. So I never approached them. It was just more to say, to report that, Hey, the meetings have finally ended. Um, Mike Babcock, uh, and Dubis and Shanahan, they were the first group to come out on the second day. And Babcock, I know really well from his days in Anaheim. And, um, so I like went up to him as he was leaving the meeting and we started talking and he was great. And, uh, so I said, Mike, hey, look, and, you know, we've got two crews out here. Uh, do you mind, like, would you come on camera and just kind of give us a little update on what, you know, how the talks went? Yeah, I think I, man, I'm, I'm okay with that. And he's like, hey, uh, Kyle, Brendan, do you mind? I'm going to go talk to them. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so literally, you know, it was 11 hours of, you know, each day was just watching guys going out. I mean, Doug Wilson was great. We had a little conversation. For some reason, he asked me how my blackjack game was. I, I mm. said, it's probably as good as your poker game is right now. Um, there was a guy, and I, I got the picture here, but there was a fan, a Sharks fan who came out. Uh, he brought, he had the, uh, he had a picture, the ESPN uh, body issue cover picture with the, uh, with the Burns and Thornton. Do you right. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So um, he, uh, he, he had that picture and on the, uh, on the, on the bottom or the top of the picture, he had Tavares's name. And then he had some caption about, uh, go come join us. And, um, that was probably not, uh, that's probably so I what- showed, so he was like walking back and forth and I got Doug, Doug Wilson was like in hysterics think, looking wow, at the picture. I think I have a better chance of signing link gates. Yeah. But you know, I, I, when I, I, when I did the projections and our guesses on who I, where I thought he was going to sign Tavares, I really thought I had Islanders one just because I thought that, mm-hmm. that was the easiest thing to do. And then I had San Jose two and Toronto three. Um, because I just thought that, you know, it goes back to my pro, uh, praise over prospects. I thought with San Jose, he could win now. Right. You know, um, and with Toronto, it was still a bit of a gamble. You you still don't know how everything's going to pan out. Well, defensively, they've got some uh, they've got, uh, on defense. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they still had 105 points. I I always felt that that of any free agent, I felt that Tavares was one guy that could have no problem handling that Toronto media. Like right. his personality, I think is perfect for it. So it didn't surprise me that he went there. Um, but I really, I, I really thought that San Jose, now someone also said to me that, that uh, in conversations that Tavares had, they, they said, dude, you don't want to, you know, the one problem playing out in, in the West is the travel. Like that's brutal. It's brutal. Like you just, you know, you're not going to have that plan. Well, just to, uh, I mean, the flight to Winnipeg is brutal because you have to stop off in Minnesota, D-plane. I mean, it's just that one fl- trip to Winnipeg doesn't say, oh, it's L.A., Winnipeg. It's going to be a great game, but Jesus, that's a tough... Uh, wait, why do you have to D-plane? Well, because you usually fly into Minnesota. Oh, wait. Well, you, they might... No, uh, they're the, they're going they're going charter. Okay. Yeah. Sports slobs like us, yes, right. we are going... <laughs> well, I have to go to Minnesota. Right. We have to go to Minnesota. Then you go to the Mall of America for right. like an hour, and then you get on your plane, and, and you go to Winnipeg. All right. Now, I know you got to get going. I do... I just want to talk about Vegas for three minutes. Okay. We can even do four. 
Do for well because I like I told you before we started. Three players got me into watching NHL hockey. Yeah, first one Barry Beck. Yeah, because he was the biggest player in the league at the time. Afro. He was just he was like a bigger version of Scott Stevens. I was like, who is this guy? He can fight, score. No one goes near him. Right. Uh, even in a Ranger Islander brawl, Clark Gillies grabbed him, and you could tell it was like <laughs> we're not going to fight each other. It's like two warheads. Right. We're just going to keep each other warm. Uh, Ed Hospodar, who I was just obsessed with him being such a dick on the ice, and George McPhee. Yeah. And McPhee, I guess my question to you is, they've already lost a few key players. What does Vegas do next year? Or how do they do? Well, I think the, you know, for me, I think many of us feel there's going to be a regression. They've got to take a step back. And that's even if they kept Neil and Perron. Well, I think... Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the, I don't think there was ever. I thought that they would keep Neil. I didn't think that they would would keep David Perron. I thought that they would let him go. Um, I just think you know for a couple reasons. One, I think they're going to take a step back because they've yeah they look a hundred points went out the door. They did bring in Paul Stastny. That's going to help them down the middle. I'm not sure. You know, I, I had one scout tell me that they he, he felt that Stastny just wasn't wasn't quick enough to play. Now he had a great run in Winnipeg, especially in the playoffs. I wonder if if Stastny for you know twenty games is fine, but maybe eighty two plus, you know, if they make playoffs with the travel now. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, Vegas is uh, right, but I just don't know if, if for an eighty two game season, if you're going to get those same numbers now. Um, but I also think, look, emotionally, like, how can you? You can't match that emotion. I mean, you know, you're not going into a building where you have a chip on your shoulder like you did, like like all those guys must have had right. every time they went into a new into a building last season. So, uh, I think that some of it goes away. Like, can you expect Mark Andre Fleury to have another, you know, phenomenal season? Uh, I just think that it. You know, I, I think that there there is a step back. And the other thing is, is that I think that some of the other teams have gotten better. Like, I think I think Calgary's better. Oh my God! Than they were. I They're mean, dark horse. Pardon? They're a dark horse. Yeah, to, like I'm uh, still, you know, I'm still concerned about their goalie. Like, can Mike Smith hold up? Um, you know, will you know their will their D be as you know? Look, they made some changes on D. You know, Noah Hannafin still has something to prove, but they finally got themselves a legitimate score to play yeah. on their top line with you know Neil now with James Neal there. Although that was not his first choice, he didn't sound so excited to me when. He had his little press conference. That seems like a very, and this is not a knock against Calgary, the city. It's yeah. an amazing town. It's like, really? This is where you wanted to play? Well, I, I think that, look, I, I you know, I, I listen to Calgary radio a lot during the, the season. And the one thing that, that you constantly hear is they have to overpay. And so he got five years. I don't believe he was going to get five years from from anybody from else. From Vegas. I think Vegas was going to get, would give him three. Um, so... And I think he really want, you know, he's like, I, I got to take the money. Right. Um, so I think that Calgary is going to be better. I think LA is going to be better. I wonder about Anaheim. You know, the big question for Anaheim is, you know, Ryan Kessler, will he play this year? There's a lot of speculation that he may, he, he'd be better off sitting the year out and get his hip back right. to a hundred percent. So I could see them regressing. I'm just, you know, and I like San Jose. I still like San Jose and I still think Doug Wilson's going to make another deal. Um, so while Vegas could still make the playoffs potentially, 
I still think they're. I just don't think they're going to be as good. Do they have any chances being like an ultimate wild card team to get in on the Carlson? Yeah, I think uh, they have a. Oh, but, uh, oh, the, the Carlson, because uh, you know they're. Yeah, absolutely. They've got they the do. cap they, space. They were going to make the deal the end of last year. You know they they were they were one of the teams. I mean, I I really thought that they, you know, to me it was I was told the night the night before the deadline that it was Colorado and Vegas that were both going back and forth on deals for Carlson that would have included Bobby Ryan. Like both those guys thought they were gone. Like I, you have to take Ryan more or less at as that a, time you did right now. Now they're working there. You know, there's been both, both scenarios with and without Bobby Ryan, um, which, <laughs> which is really too bad. Cause I, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. Oh, I love him. I mean, he's a personal friend and we, we talk a lot. I think that, you know, he's one of those that like him and Carey Price are going to be the next Roberto Luongo's. My contract sucks. Right. Because I think both those guys are going to want to get out of where they are. Sure. So. Well, and how about this? Were the Kings, uh, who do you, like, what was the deal for Pacioretty? Like, I don't know. I believe it included Jake Muzzin, but I think, and and it, I, but my understanding was, is that the stumbling block was, is that they, they said to Pacioretty and his representatives, Here's we want. Here's the extension offer that we're going to give you. Uh, we need you to sign. We need you to decide in X amount of hours. And he said no. Now, why does he want to go to Florida so bad? Who Pacioretty? I mean, I hear he's got a real. Uh, I don't want to say that word. A real uh, affinity. Uh, yeah, that would be a much better word than what I want to say. <laughs> that's, that's why you get paid. Uh, is it the state? Is it the well, I think tax? You, you look at that team. I mean, look, that team had more wins than the Flyers last year. Right. If they could have, if they could have lost in regular in, in overtime as opposed to regulation a few more times, they would have been in the playoffs. So I think you know you look at Florida as a team that hey, they've got a lot of you know they they could make a run. They've got the only. Uh, it's just to me. They've got all the components except again goaltending. I'm not sold on on Roberto Luongo now. Hopefully he's healthy, but I'm not sure if, if whether it's Luongo or Reimer that they've got the goalie that can do it. But you know, um, I think he likes where that organization is going, and Dale Talon I think does a really good job, and so at, at running things, and uh, so I think that that's that may be part of it. But uh, I also think that Max wants I think Max wants to stay in Montreal more than Montreal wants Max to stay. Right, he's got a good American captain, and and that. Yeah, I just think he'd be better off not being the captain. Like, I just right. don't think that's his DNA. Well, I was figuring. You and know, the problem is, the guy that could be the captain is out for another six months. Shea Weber. Yeah. Like, wow, what a kick in the groin that is for them. I mean, I feel bad for him because he gets a lot of shit for the deal, the Subban not, deal. Not his fault. What's, what's he supposed to do? Right, not his fault. He didn't want to leave. He but when he's healthy, man, can he run? He runs. Well, I, I love. I, I think the it was at uh, Taves when when the trade was made. Taves was like one of the happiest guys. He, yeah. Saying he tweeted something about the fact that he's so happy to get him out of the division. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Uh, but you know that trade was probably Subban like a, getting out of Montreal. Just right. We want him out of here, and we've got this guy. And you know, uh, look, I, I I think that for for Nashville at the time, it it, it made. I understand what they were doing. Um, but I think that maybe looking back on it, uh, I, I'm not sure if either team is going to be happy for different reasons. I mean, the, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I mean, could the Kings, I mean, I'm not 
trying to get patch ready on the Kings still, but like now that Weber's out, could maybe a Muzzin, maybe Martinez, couple. I mean, does that make any sense, or am I playing fantasy hockey? Well, I think that you have to figure out the, the dollars. So you know, you're looking at it. You know, he's going to be looking at a deal for around. You know, he's got to be looking for a deal similar to to Kovalchuk. You know, and, right. and and I think that you know, if you're the Kings, you like I don't know how you fit necessarily how you fit that in the, the luxury that they have with both to and Pearson is that they're under contract for what to for two more years and Pearson for three good deals at, at very friendly numbers. So when you're trying, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know if they could fit that in now. Yeah. If they move Muzzin and one of them, but I think that that's, you know, it has to be, there's gotta be more parts in that deal. I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I see now to me, I wouldn't be opposed to it either. Cause I think that, that the Kings who want, you know, I think that they've got, They've got more uh, more promise on the back end right now, right? And so I, I am for it. And they need. There's no question. They need scoring. So I would like to see. I would like to see them move. Make that move. One last question. Sure. I swear. No, because yeah. you've been We're good. First of all, I'll give your plugs. Where can people find so, you? So well, during the hockey season, uh, SiriusXM ninety one. NHL Network Radio every Sunday night. I follow the last game that's played. And then I'm on every Tuesday at 9.30 Pacific uh, on Sirius XM. I'm on every Monday at 6.30 a.m. Pacific in Winnipeg, our favorite city. I love Winnipeg. Um, but yeah, great, great times with the guys in, in, in both those cities. And then from time to time in both uh, Calgary, uh, TSN Radio in Winnipeg, uh, 6.30 a.m., Pacific Monday mornings. Um, so. Where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter at West Coast Hockey, and, and I couldn't afford all the letters because they just don't pay me enough at XM. So hockey spelled H K Y. And West is it West Coast? Like yeah, West Coast. So yeah, right. just how it sounds. Um, why does John Stevens doesn't seem to love Paula do? No, I, I, so some, I mean, like, I, it's kind of like Sutter didn't like necessarily no, like Brown. I, I don't think that that's the case. I don't I, mean like, I think that the buildup for Paul Ledoux, the expectations of what Paul Ledoux could be are greater than what Paul Ledoux can be. I got you. Like I, 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 I've heard, you know, the Kings have talked about him, hopefully him being the guy to replace Voinov. Now he may get that opportunity this year, but I've also had scouts say he's really a third pairing guy. Oh, okay. So I think that there's, you know, uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with Stevens or anything to do with Daryl Sutter. I I really believe that um, he just hasn't proven enough. Right. Uh, and I think they'd like him to be a little stronger. Uh, I think physically he's not, He, you know, the one knock that I, I remember, you know, that I'd heard before was that he, he gets pushed off the puck too easy. Uh, I thought he was okay in the playoffs. Now remember, he only played like ten minutes in a you know right. game, so there's a the trust factor is not there. Look, Oscar Fattenberg, you know, you Beast. look at that night, you know, the double overtime night. Thank I God. mean, you know, I, I he 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 did what I think that that they would have liked Paul to do to be right. Like he showed that they could trust him. Now he's not ready, Fattenberg, on a you know maybe eighty two games right now. That's fine, but Ledoux still hasn't shown that that he could ever play those type of minutes. So I don't think it's a John Stevens thing. It's not. It's not like Daryl and 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 Dustin, right? Who seem to have like some. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That was, which yeah. I don't get because to me in the, in my head, Brown would totally be a Sutter type player, physical. Yeah, Dar well, you know what? It was? I think part of it was I don't know if it's an American thing or not. I don't know that for a fact, 
but there was a love affair with Daryl and Mike Richards and Jeff Carter being two Canadian boys. than there was with, with Dustin right. being that American boy. And, uh, Hey, look, you know, it just, you know, Dustin was prepared to be in Vegas this year and then, you know, uh, didn't happen, but a couple strange rapid fire questions. Yeah. I could keep, t- go ahead. Go I, ahead. No, I mean, I could no. literally keep asking go. you questions. Go ahead. Uh, my daughter hasn't said to me, Dad, where are you? She just said, What's up? And I said, I gave her, I gave her, uh, right. These are the last two okay. questions. I you can't can even keep be three. A dad. Actually, five is, five is my lucky number. So let's do five. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if I have five, okay. but, uh, uh, Wade Simmons stay in Philly. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think he stays this year. I just don't see, fine. I don't see why he would be there beyond this year. Um, uh, and that's too bad because I, I think he's a heart and soul in that room. Um, but I just don't see it with the James Van Riemsdyk contract. How, unless he's unless he's prepared to take it, you know, a big discount. Um, but that guy is is a warrior. Oh, he's and, the best. Uh, you know, this will be the last question because I'm going to show my age. That's so going to okay. get me a while to get it out. Hey, I'm older than you. I just want you to. Know. You don't look it. Yeah. Okay. I'm but you know, you're old when you remember players' dads playing when they were young. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I gravitated towards weird players, admittedly, okay. you know, the, the Hospitars, the Becks, you know, George McPhee, who I just loved how he would be, uh, you know, he won the Hobie Baker Award. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember that. Oh, right. Yeah, him. Right. I mean, he was, we go talking about LaPerriere scoring 40 in juniors, and then he kind of like, you know, 10 to 15 in the NHL. And then. Well, and remember, LaPerriere, he, t- he told me the story that when he got to his first training camp, he looked around and goes, oh, my God. Like all these guys are as good as me or better. Right. I, I got to change the way I play if I want to stick around. Well, I remember being so excited when uh, now I'm really dating myself into King's uh, obscurity. Number 55, Pavel Rosa, who was like this mammoth scorer, I think, for Hull as well. Yeah. Uh, him and Christian Dubé. Yeah. Uh, okay, but now there's another thing, and you're going back to Velarde. Now, I'm not trying to put Rosa and Velarde in the same conversation, right. but that's another reason why parades over prospects. But, I mean, I remember uh, Rosa, I think he scored two goals in his first King game. <laughs> it was like, wow, this guy is going to be the guy. Wasn't Yachman of another one that we thought? That yeah, uh, Vitaly, number 43, along with uh, Vladimir Siplikov, <laughs> number nine from Belarus. Uh, but... Uh, one of the players I gravitated to in the 80s was number 23 on the Hartford Whalers, Paul McDermott, mm-hmm. who was just, he wasn't a fighter, which yeah. back then, you you know, you, pretty much everyone was. I mean, every team had four heavyweights. Yeah. I mean, it really was unbelievable. But his son had a great start for the Kings this yeah. year, Curtis, uh, but he kind of teetered off a little bit, uh, maybe was exposed to certain degrees. What's his future with the Kings? I, you know, I can't, I would defer to, to my, our good friend, John Hoven on that. Cause he knows better. The mayor. The mayor. Uh, he, he's better on the prospects in watching him play. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think is like a, a five, six, right. You know, type guy. Uh, can you play a guy that's, that's a little slower than most? Yeah. Or do you may make him a fourth liner? Does that? Uh, no, I don't think you move him into a four. I don't think you make him a forward. But uh, look, I think that, you know, you just have to see. We'll see where things go in, in training camp. I, I, I'm looking to see the, you know, you know, some of the other guys, you know, like a Brickley. Like, I think the Kings really like this kid. 
And I think he's going to get a legitimate shot. And so I get the sense that, you know, whether it's Brickley or Fattenberg, um, Ledoux's going to get more of a look-see. I, you know, I think that, you know, McDermott will... Ontario, maybe. Yeah, I think that that's what you're you're, you're looking at. I, you know, it, it's going to take, it'll take us, you know, it'll take a lot of pieces to fall into place, maybe for him, you know, an injury or two for him to get into the lineup or, or great, or great training camp. But, uh, you know, definitely serviceable. It just, he still, he just needs, it, it's such a hard position to play. Right. And it just, it takes more time to develop. So that's why in Ledoux's case, you know, he may be that, he may finally blossom into that second parent guy. Now he's a lot older. He went to, he was a college kid. So what he's, I think he's like 25 or 26. Right. Um, so, you know, for him at this stage, look, that's, that's pretty good. You know, for some guys that's eight years in the league. And so it's taken, it's taken him some time. It may very likely take McDermott that, you know, maybe not eight years, but it may take him four or five years before, um, he can find himself on an NHL roster. But then, Hey, look, also we got Seattle coming in the league, right. You know, in, in a couple of years. And so there are, you know, more opportunities for more guys. Right. Well, I mean, McDermott, just when I was watching him play, he seemed like he hadn't grown into his body yet. Yeah. Like he, he reminded me, and once again, dating myself of Shell Samuelson, who <laughs> was just like this, or Willie Huber almost. Yeah. Whereas like, there are these huge guys, but they're like deers who are trying to skate on a pond. Like they don't, uh, you know, I, I saw some potential in him. Yeah, no, he definitely showed, he definitely showed that he can play. It just, you know, give him some time. And I think, you know, look, we're, we're in that, in the social media stage that we want everything now. Right. And if a guy, you know, a guy doesn't blossom now, then, you know, we're, we're, we're frustrated that if he doesn't, if he doesn't do it within a year or two, forget it. And, and I think that, you know, we have to move off that. All right. Under one minute, I'm going to split the difference with you with questions. If you had to estimate who, who would the King's fourth line be? Lewis? Yeah. Lewis, uh, Clifford Thompson. Was oh, he uh, going to be back? I think he's still on the roster. Oh, okay. It was um, it was Willie Mitchell that got that that didn't get resigned. Just not in the plans. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Wait, who who are you thinking? I thought Thompson. Well, no, I mean, I would say uh, was he a UF? Was Thompson? Oh, maybe Thompson. I thought was, he was. Okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say Lewis Clifford, and then a, a wild card in training camp. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I I'm I told I'm trying to remember now. Maybe a camp invite. You could be right that that when they made the deal that that Thompson was a, a UFA. I liked him and Mitchell, I did. but I well, know. Thompson's a pros pro. He, yeah, he, he really is. He loved in every locker room he's played in: Anaheim, Ottawa, L.A. Uh, he'll go through a wall for you. And I liked Mitchell's feistiness yeah. for being a, a smallish player, good on draws, but you know you can't sign everyone. So, well, Jonathan Davis, I can keep going. I keep going. <laughs> Earl, thanks, man. This is a blast. Play anytime. I would love hey, to have you back. Whenever you call me, I'm here. It's not like uh, it's it's that very short commute, you know. Where do you live? I'm in Westwood. Uh, well, I don't want to step on toes because I know the mayor. And uh, Dude, anytime, fifteen you, minute drive. I'm over here. Oh, I it, maybe a training camp. Maybe if there's wacky hey, trades, whatever. Your prediction for where Carlson goes? Um, my prediction. Oh God, I'm going to say Tampa finds a way. Right. They seem like they're the most, all right, let's try and work. We'll trade. Talent. I just think, you know, the one thing when they signed Kucherov uh, today, as we record this podcast here, now they know where they can slot, how they can slot right. everything else in. And it makes it easier to do the deal when he's, when they know what they were, they're paying Kucherov as, to, as opposed to 
hoping to what they can pay him. Right. All right. So I think it, I, I'm, I'm going to say that, although I hear Dallas is now back in it. I just think, I, I think for Carlson, if he could find a way to get to Tampa and uh, he, he'll be there. All right. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. This was a very rare hockey. I think the last two we've done was Theo Fleury and Dustin Penner who brought his police dog with him. Put only guess I've allowed to put his feet up on my uh, table. Of course, you know, when you're that big, he can pretty much do it. And you have a police dog that's a trained killer. Uh, but thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Theo. And thank you, Jonathan Davis.